Support for this podcast is provided by the American Bar Association Tax Section. Are you looking to make valuable connections with government officials, academics, and tax professionals? ABA Tax Section membership provides you with opportunities year-round to engage and network in your area of practice. Members receive discounts on meetings, CLE, and publications, and membership also provides you with free, on-demand CLE and special members-only news and updates. Discover how membership can benefit you and join at ambar.org slash taxnotes. That's ambar.org slash taxnotes. Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, Editor-in-Chief of Tax Notes Today International. This week, a busy decade. For the last 10 years, Pascal Sanamon has headed up the OECD's efforts to coordinate reforms to international taxation. As director of the Center for Tax Policy and Administration, he's overseen two major projects aimed at changing the way multinationals are taxed. First, with the Base Erosion and Profit Shifting Project, the OECD updated rules for transfer pricing, hybrid entities, and harmful tax regimes, and it introduced the country-by-country reporting regime. And now, the OECD is completing work on a project to reform the taxation of the digital economy with a two-pillar solution. So as St. Amon passed the latest milestone, Tax Notes Chief Correspondent Stephanie Sung Johnson caught up with him to talk about the last decade and what's coming in the near future. Stephanie, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again. Now, your guest doesn't require much by way of introduction, but could you tell us about what you talked about? Sure. So... Pascal has been director of the Center for Tax Policy Administration at the OECD since February 1st, 2012. And, you know, I had been covering him basically since I started this job. And in fact, actually wrote an article about his priorities when he first started the job. Then I checked in with him at five years and we talked about, you know, the developments that were happening then. And, you know, 10 years later, looking back, just the number of changes in the international tax system under his watch have been remarkable. In the past, we hadn't even talked about the two-pillar solution. This is a massive change that has basically transformed the international tax landscape. So, you know, I want to check in with him and and see how he views the past 10 years and what was good about it, what was bad about it, where things are going. Uh, We cover a lot of topics, actually. Most of it was about the two-pillar solution because everyone wants to know about what's going on with that project. We did touch on transparency, uh, the importance of tax cooperation and the prominence of tax cooperation over the years and how that has actually been at the root of all of this change. I mean, now we've got a significant international corporate tax reform through BEPS and BEPS II. We've also got you know, automatic information exchange. You know, carbon taxation is going to be the next big thing. So we've been, we just sort of talked about all of these changes, you know, plus on top of that, this crazy pace of work that the OECD's Center for Tax Policy Administration has been doing. So it was sort of a wide-ranging interview. All right, let's go to that interview. Pascal, welcome, um, and congratulations on 10 years as director of the CTPA. Thank you. Yes, we've been on a crazy journey, haven't we? Yes, we have. I don't have the feeling to have been on the same job for 10 years, and that's why I didn't even realize that on the very day, but the day after to say, well, 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 maybe something has happened. Uh, and I guess a lot has happened for the past 10 years, indeed. Yeah, we talked at your, at your fifth anniversary. So, I mean, back then I was looking at the article that I wrote or our conversation and 
I mean, so much had not happened then. And there was no Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. There was no pillars, um, no pandemic. So I guess my first question, you know, how have the past 10 years shaped the CTPA and its work and yourself as director? Extremely fast with a promise I make every year to the team next year will be cooler and uh, and, and nicer. And we realize that it's never been the case. It's been an escalation of uh, of work, uh, of things at stake, um, and and um, I, I I I'm really hopeful that we're now coming to the end of a cycle. Um, uh, the cycle being the fundamental revision of international tax rules, uh, which started with the global financial crisis back in 2008, uh, and which is probably culminating with uh, the political agreement reach and, and hopefully in the course of the year, the legal instruments to implement this political agreement. Uh, when, when you look backwards, you, you, you can see these different um, phases uh, that you are not necessarily aware of when you're in the middle of it, uh, but it started with tax cooperation, and then it moved to the other uh, part of the uh, weaknesses of the international tax framework, which was taxation of multinational companies, uh, because we, we had been in a box, uh, which was the League of Nations box for a century, and the world had changed, so the box was no longer fit for purpose. So we started changing it. And, and given, given that this was quite uh, new and fundamental, countries were reluctant. So that was the first phase of the BEPS work. And, and, and the big surprise, which afterwards is not that big a surprise, is the US tax reform. Because without the US, you can change whatever you want. You don't really have the impact. While there, the US implemented BEPS, which, which allowed us to move to the uh, second step of the BEPS work. Uh, pillar one and pillar two. And, and parallel to that, you have the deepening of the tax cooperation with uh, automatic exchange of information. And all that you have to put in a, uh, I mean, against the background of inclusivity of the fact that uh, global problems would call global answers and meaning global players. Uh, and that's where you build from the global form of transparency to the inclusive framework on BEPS, the uh, inclusivity uh, of, uh, of the work. And the inclusivity of the work means also deployment of, of technical assistance, of, uh, of um, uh, special programs for developing countries like tax inspectors without borders. And, and when you put all these pieces together uh, at the end of the day, and hopefully we're at the end of the day, you can see the, the coherence, you can see the narrative, but when you write it, you don't necessarily know what the next step is. So that's where we are. I, I, I think it's uh, the end of a, of a cycle. Um, uh, which, which has taken yeah, almost 14 years, which still needs to be completed with the legal instruments. And, and then we'll have to think in a, in a new box, um, uh, which, which we have shaped uh, with the countries for the past years. And back then, the inclusivity part of it, you mentioned it as a potential challenge five years ago. And in many ways it was, but in a lot of other ways, it's been game-changing because you've got all these countries involved. So after our interview in February 2017, you know, that's the German G20 presidency then mandated you to work on the interim report, follow up in action one. You know, here we are five years later and two pillars later, you know, what was looking, thinking back to that moment, you know, what was your reaction when you first got your marching orders and, you know, how has this project met or fell short of your expectations? 
Uh, falling short of expectations is not something I could say because I think we went beyond what uh, anyone was expecting. I mean, I think that at some point, probably nobody was betting any penny on us delivering anything. Um, and, and sometimes we, we, we also had some doubts on the ability to, to deliver um, um, a solution. So, no, we, we, we didn't fall short of uh, our own expectations. The, the, the marching orders, that's an interesting expression because we, I think, never, never really received marching orders uh, because there were some ups and, some ups and downs uh, throughout 2017 until last year. I, I would say, I mean, if marching orders there were, it, it was because of the renewed impetus coming from uh, the fact that the Biden administration made a priority to um, move both on a multilateral basis and the domestic basis towards a multilateral to, towards a, a minimum tax, even though they are not yet there. Uh, but that's where I think uh, we we really had all the political support um, uh, to build these two pillar solution, and not only some countries interested in one pillar, some other countries interested in the other pillar. I think there we had throughout 2021. Uh, a real common objective and, and therefore kind of marching orders uh, with uh, strict uh, timelines as is still the case with drafting a multilateral convention or was the case in drafting the uh, technical design of the model rules of pillar two which were delivered in record time um, so it's been um, um, a few hectic years. Um, you remember in mean, all the episodes of it's like a Netflix series, actually the uh, safe harbor uh, for for pillar one, which uh, which actually was not well perceived by U.S. partner, and then us trying to keep that um, alive um, uh, while pillar two was progressing, but but with a, a lower political profile. So things came together probably in, in January, uh, February 2021, already one year ago. And this year has been really frantic in terms of getting countries all together and, and agree uh, what, what they ended up agreeing on the 8th of October. Support for this podcast is provided by the University of California, Irvine School of Law Graduate Tax Program. Ranked number one on the West Coast and number five nationwide, this innovative program prepares students to practice tax law at the highest level in the U.S. and abroad. Featuring a low student-to-faculty ratio, cutting-edge technology instruction, and dedicated career support, UCI's graduate tax program helps prepare students for a future in tax law. Program graduates are placed in top tax-related industries, practicing law in many major U.S. cities. Applications are open now. For more information and to apply to this highly selective program, visit law.uci.edu slash gradtax. That's law.uci.edu slash gradtax. Now that Plan Pillar 1 at least is coming together with the first building block, the uh, revenue sourcing and nexus rules. So can I just touch on that a little bit? You know, how do you respond? People are talking about how these sourcing grows are so complicated. Companies need to collect data that they don't even have. You've obviously probably heard of these complaints. You know, how do you respond to, to that? I know that there was a concerted effort to simplify as much as possible. Yeah, a few, a few elements of, of response. I mean, the first one 
is that uh, we fully acknowledge the complexity of the rules and uh, the frustration of, of uh, a number of players not to have been consulted uh, in, more, in more details. Uh, we acknowledge uh, that's a fact, uh, but there are reasons for that. I mean, the complexity of the rules, first, I, I, I don't know any piece of legislation, tax legislation, which is simple. So it's a bit, uh, you know, the easy thing to say. It's true, and, and uh, one can only regret the complexity, but when it's about stitching uh, 100 plus domestic tax regime to make sure that, that they have the global view, uh, that tax administrations have the global view and that taxpayers also can uh, articulate their action within all these countries which, which will play with each other, it has to be complicated. It cannot be simple. And by the way, I'm not sure that companies were complaining much about the complexity of uh, check the box or many other deficiencies of the uh, Armstrong principle or other rules uh, when it was to their benefit. So at some point, yes, it's complex. The world is complex. Business is complex. I don't know about any simple uh, mechanism and the most simple mechanism to use the very ergonomic apps that we can have when when you dive into the uh, the engineering of the app it's it's pretty complex so complexity is there we're trying to reduce it um the the other part of the question was about information yes in the new world um we are in an information based world uh, and that's also true for tax so i i must say that companies are fantastic at gathering information to serve their clients they are extremely good at managing uh, information systems and i'm pretty sure they will find a solution to respond to this new global approach where all the countries one way or another need to know about uh, the information i say need to know about instead of acceding directly or accessing directly the information because there is also something extremely important uh, which is data uh, protection uh, the, the the confidentiality of the information you cannot have a central database in an international organization which uh, would put all the commercial sensitive information of companies available to the world. N not at all. That's not what we have in mind. That's not what's going to be designed. What's going to be designed is a mechanism where drawing on the country by country reporting, which by the way, has a number of limitations, too many limitations, but uh, limitations to make sure that uh, protection of the confidentiality is ensured. We draw on that, we develop that. There will be a need for further information. Um, on the globe rules on pilot two, you also need to have information to have the proper allocation of the under tax payment rule or, or get the income inclusion rule um, uh, right. But it's it's part of what we've built for the past uh, 13 years, all this exchange of information mechanism. 15 years ago, there was not even a legal instrument to exchange information. We have one which is signed by more than 140 countries. So you can see the, uh, the trend. Yes, there is complexity. Yes, there is too much complexity. Yes, uh, there was insufficient uh, public uh, consultation in a sense, uh, we're fixing this. But on the other hand, you can say that the blueprint, uh, the blueprints were developed with um, um, a lot of public consultation. We, we had much time as countries were not ready to implement the solution, could build these solutions with uh, a lot of input. Uh, and as regards the political deal, I'm not sure it was the right time to ask business 
do you think this political direction is right? Because we know the answer. The answer is no. Uh, do you want to pay more taxes? Uh, no. I mean, they will say, oh, yes, but uh, because they want to be politically correct. Uh, so that's, uh, that's the situation. Not ideal, uh, but uh, when you look backwards, not that bad after all, I would say. So you sort of alluded to businesses you know, and their complaints about being left out in the cold. It has this relationship if you think it's back on track now, I mean, I, I saw in the news release that, you know, you're all working with the bags, the um, business advisory groups, SBAC set them up. How is that relationship now? I mean, it, it's never been off track. Let's be clear. Uh, it's never been off track because we've always had bags, business advisory groups to give advice on some uh, technical design. Uh, and uh, there is now, after the uh, political uh, negotiation, on the technical negotiation, there is public consultation. There will be massive public consultation on Pillar 2. There is a rolling public consultation on Pillar 1. So that's it. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's good. And it's not only with business. It's also with uh, NGOs or other stakeholders who should uh, have an opportunity uh, to, to comment. Uh, it's there. It's fine, um, and uh, and we're just uh, looking forward to useful, constructive comments. Really quickly, I'll get to touch on standstill rollback in Pillar One. So recently, Denmark said that they were going to introduce a five percent tax on the revenue of streaming companies to help fund domestic film and TV productions. Do these kind of taxes violate the spirit of those rollback and standstill provisions of Pillar One, in your view? I don't know about the Danish tax, so I, I, I would not be uh, properly informed uh, because I've literally had no time to look into that and, and uh, except for one or two questions from journalists, we, we have not uh, looked into that. Uh, from what I understand from the serious superficial uh, look at, at this tax, it's, it's about funding the cultural industry. So it's not a tax on digital services. It's a tax on, on documentary or movie production or, or, or streaming uh, to fund uh, the movie industry, uh, which seems to be a quite different approach. But again, I don't know, need to look into that and we'll see what we are working on. Uh, is uh, the uh, standstill and rollback, which one or another should be in the multilateral convention, uh, as per the uh, agreement reached on the 8th of October. And that's what we are working on. And then countries will have to decide whether they, 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 they fit the box uh, or not, um, in, in, together with possible bilateral disputes, which could result from unilateral actions. Uh, so for the time being, we are on the... Uh, design of the rules to be included in the multilateral convention uh, and we leave for bilateral discussions whatever problem there may be if there is a problem which i cannot say because again i i, I literally have not looked into that yet support for this podcast is provided by avalara since 2004 Avalara's vision has been to harness the power of cloud technology to help simplify sales tax for businesses of all sizes. And their solutions are designed to affordably scale with businesses as they grow. Collecting tax for the government is something businesses just have to do. But getting the job done efficiently and correctly can be an incredible challenge because tax rules and regulations can be endlessly complicated. Avalara keeps track of how thousands upon thousands of products are taxed in more than 13,000 tax jurisdictions. And that's just in the United States. 
With more than 1,000 signed partner integrations, Avalara likely integrates with the ERP, e-commerce, mobile payment, and point-of-sale systems you use today. Find out how your business can be sales tax ready at avalara.com slash tax notes. That's avalara.com slash tax notes. Avalara, tax compliance done right. As far, and this is the eternal question about the U.S., you know, Build Back Better is apparently going to be reset with no deadline for passing. What's the feeling now? How are you feeling these days about the U.S.? Uh, you know, in my job, you don't have many feelings. Uh, you're a, a, a cold, a blood cold uh, person because you just need to deliver what is in your realm. Uh, so no feelings. Uh, now, if you ask about whether we think the U.S. will move or not, I don't know more than you do. Uh, we think there is a strong political will. We recognize that in Congress there are some difficult uh, conditions, um, uh, but uh, we haven't heard anyone say that Build Back Better will not be adopted. I mean, there are some people in the crowd saying it, but but not in the government. Uh, saying that. So uh, the plan is uh, U.S. implementation uh, of uh, Build Back Better, which is pretty pretty fair alignment with uh, Pillar 2 rules. We have noted no uh, disengagement of the U.S. from the work. On the contrary, there is extremely strong support, including at the top political level. So I will not speculate. We just do the work and uh, we'd see so no bad feelings, no uh, good feelings, no feelings at all, just hard work uh, to deliver what needs to be delivered, which is a multilateral convention by mid-year on the one hand for Pillar 2, and on the other hand, the rules um, uh, on, on, on Pillar 2 uh, commentaries, which should be adopted in the coming days. Uh, we hope after the technical rules, the commentary should move pretty fast. And then, because Pillar 2 is not limited, to the globe rules, uh, moving to the subject to tax rules so that we can hear to uh, advance quickly. So you can see that whatever happens in the capitals, um, uh, we, we are uh, at work uh, and working very hard. And I would add that uh, this uh, work is, um, is, is, is delivering uh, what um, uh, was uh, requested from us. So you mentioned that the next big project would be focusing on climate change and tackling you know, carbon pricing, and the OECD was going to establish an inclusive framework for carbon pricing. And I understand that the Secretariat actually made a proposal to the OECD Council on January 25th, 26th. Is that right? Yes, it is. Can you tell me more about that? Is that going to be under the CTPA or under the Environment Directorate? The OECD is working on what we call an inclusive framework on carbon pricing may not be the right um, uh, name of, of, of what we have in mind, but, but the idea is the following. Climate change is the big thing ahead of us for the next decade or decades. One of the instruments to mitigate climate change is to put a price tag on carbon emissions. We know that today countries are insufficiently doing it. The price tag is very low. I mean, 60% of emissions are not priced, and the 40% which are taxed are taxed or priced through emission trading system or whatever uh, other mechanism at a very low price. I mean, on average, three to four euros, which is insufficient. But a number of countries also say that they are not going to move towards 
an explicit price on carbon because there are other climate mitigation policies which are not price-based and which may result in uh, even more efficient uh, or to more efficacy in terms of decarbonization. So you have this wide range of policy mix um, and countries not ready to fix a minimum price of carbon. We are monitoring actually the Center for Tax Policy and Administration, my shop, monitors the price of carbon uh, through a joint meeting of tax environment experts without getting too much into the details of the, of the OECD machinery, which is a subgroup of experts bringing people from environment, people from ministries of finance, mainly tax people. We work on data gathering and providing this data. What we see is missing given the political debates, given the fact that the number of countries will move to um, higher prices for carbon emissions, the European Union in particular, and that's to avoid carbon leakage, which would result from them increasing the price and others not following. Carbon leakage meaning that uh, you may just uh, have a delocalization of industries in Europe because the price of carbon is too high to countries where the price of carbon will be lower, but Europe importing these goods, Europe says we're going to have to put a... a um, um, uh, border carbon adjustment mechanism, the CBAM, well known CBAM. So in that environment, you can see the potential of trade tensions, you can see the lack of information, and, and you can see the need to bring countries together to discuss this based on information. So we need to provide the information. That's the idea of this inclusive framework on carbon pricing. Inclusive because that's a global issue. You need all the countries around the table as we have done for PEPs, as we have done for the Global Forum on Transparency. And on carbon pricing, because whether it's explicit carbon pricing, effective carbon pricing, or implicit carbon pricing, you need to be able to benchmark the different policies to coordinate them ideally, but before coordination, benchmarking them and try to identify what works, what doesn't work and how things compare. Will Europe put a CBAM on goods which would be decarbonized because of an extremely efficient regulation? Good question. You don't know until you try to put a price, an equivalent price on the uh, impact of this regulation. This is what we have in mind. We have made uh, not yet a proposal, but a presentation to the OECD Council. We've written, the Secretary General of the OECD, Matthias Korman, wrote to all G20 and all OECD finance ministers. We're about to write to non-OECD, non-G20 uh, uh, finance ministers to tell them, there is a lot of um, um, uh, interest in this initiative and uh, there would be uh, a lot of uh, usefulness for this uh, data gathering, data providing uh, to address what is the uh, top priority of the world today, addressing climate change. Okay, so one last question. Actually, one thing I wanted to ask you for a while. You know, over the years, you know, I've seen how stressed out everyone has been at the CTPA over the BEPS project, the pillars. You know, can you talk a little bit about the human side of tax policy making? You know, how do you deal with all the stress and long hours? I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's too much. And we are tired. Uh, and, and we're also tired of COVID like everybody else. But it's true that doing that work from a distance, not meeting, not meeting with the team, not meeting with the delegates uh, is taking a toll. Uh, it's exhausting literally exhausting. Um, just before our call, I was talking to a team member saying, you know, I took one day of vacation, but I cannot recover from that day of vacation. 
Uh, now, it's, it's so exciting that uh, people have been extremely dedicated, motivated, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate to have a team which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it, it will be time, however, mid-year to, to move to another pace, uh, and uh, not only for us, uh, Secretariat, but also for the delegates uh, from all the countries which have done an extraordinary uh, piece of work uh, and are uh, really dedicated. People work over the weekends. Uh, you have uh, email uh, traffic uh, uh, on Saturdays and Sundays. You don't have vacation. And COVID has taken the toll. I realized that by doing a trip not long ago to Kenya. Um, and fortunately, it may have uh, brought uh, COVID together with the trip. But uh, um, the... Um, um, the, the fact that you meet people uh, not on a Zoom where you have a targeted, focused conversation and you're very good and very efficient talking uh, about the thing which is on the agenda, but you're missing all the rest, like uh, like a horse uh, uh, on the um, you know on the on the race. Uh, you 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 don't see anything else but the objective and 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 by missing the the 360 or the 180 or whatever more at least uh you 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 stop being nurtured uh, by what's happening by ideas which would otherwise connect and and it's really time that uh, resume physical uh, working. It's real time that uh, we meet with uh, the people. Uh, and it's also time that we can move to a slightly more relaxed uh, pace because you cannot ask people to work 12 hours a day, 24, I mean, 24 seven, 12 hours a day, seven days a week without, uh, without vacation. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to to thank the team. Uh, in 10 years, uh, the Center for Tax Policy and Administration has grown. I mean, we, we more than doubled the staff, not as a goal per se, you know, in spite of being French and being a civil servant by training, uh, I don't see growing a public servant team as a goal, but it, I think it responds to the fact that the world has changed and you need a better service, which meant uh, uh, more people. But, but this team is, is really uh, extraordinary. I think it's, it's recognized uh, uh, worldwide. We have people, individuals uh, from the whole world, uh, and, uh, and, and we're very fortunate uh, for that. So very exciting, but very challenging. And, and, and yes, uh, they have paid tributes to uh, the uh, world changes. So I hope at some point the world will pay some tributes to their contribution. That's, that's a nice thought. I like that. What is your favorite memory as CTPA director so far? <laughs> Good question. Favorite memory. Uh, I, I have many, many memories and uh, I'm trying to, uh, to bring them back. Uh, uh, maybe one day write a book on, on, on all that. So there are many, many anecdotes which are pretty funny and which shows that tax is all but boring. There is not one coming out. I mean, the, the most vivid and, and recent one is, of course, the 8th of October. Is it a good memory? I cannot even say it's a good memory because the level of stress until the very last minute, and you may remember that India joined after the deal was concluded. So I can tell you the 8th of October, which should have been, you know, the day where you just uh, uh, say champagne and celebrate was actually 
pretty much of that day of extremely hard work and stress and uncertainty. So you see, no easy memory, which I think reflects the fact that this work has been extremely hard, but uh, at the same time, uh, many, many positive uh, notes uh, from uh, the different progress made, the overall recognition of the work. Uh, and I guess the best memory will be when when the team will be able to be back and uh, that will celebrate the MLC. So best memory still to come. And I think that's actually a good note to end on. It's been great covering you for you, know, you and the, the CTPA's work for 10 years. Looking forward to seeing what comes next. Well, thank you, Stephanie. Good to see you. Now, coming attractions. Each week we highlight new and interesting commentary in our magazines. Joining me now is Acquisitions and Engagement Editor-in-Chief Paige Jones. Paige, what will you have for us? Thanks, Dave. In Tax Notes Federal, Anson Asbury explores recent interpretations of the conservation easement regulations and suggests some courts have adopted a grammatically incorrect reading of the proceeds regulation. Mindy Hersfeld considers the narrative that guilty can be revised to conform to the rules developed by the OECD's Pillar 2 proposal. In Tax Note State, Stephen Milotichek looks at recent state pass-through entity tax legislation. Three Deloitte practitioners detail the provisions of Seattle's new payroll tax, including compliance, sourcing, and legal ramifications. In Tax Notes International, Robert Van Brederode decries the lack of direct democracy in the world's tax systems and develops an outline of a model for how this can be changed. Felipe Noceda argues that the Advocate General's recent opinion in a case currently before the Court of Justice of the European Union could undermine the fundamental right of privacy regarding taxpayer data. And finally, in featured analysis, Ryan Finley considers how a relatively obscure and hitherto unsuccessful argument raised by the IRS in transfer pricing litigation may have a greater role to play in cases concerning tax years subject to the TCJA. That's it for this week. You can follow me online at taxstew, that's S-T-E-W, and be sure to follow at Tax Notes for all things tax. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at taxanalyst.org. And as always, if you like what we're doing here, please leave a rating or review wherever you download this podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com podcast. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in the podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.